Well, good morning. I'm Melissa Warner, and this is my husband, Scott. This is our last Advent Sunday uh, since tomorrow is Christmas, and we've been spending time together on that. Um, and today is about joy. And I remember once we became adults and uh, got married and moved out of the house that my mom would often talk about uh, how much joy she got when all of us were home. I have two sisters, and when me and my two sisters were home, seated there, there was this look that my mom would get as she'd look around the table when she'd say, all my children are back home. And she'd look around that table, and there would be this immense amount of joy that she would have because having your kids back home at your table is this place of joy for her. Now that our kids are grown, we know exactly how that feels. Their presence in our home is a great gift, and there's joy when our table is full with all our kids. And it reminds us about the joy that Christ has and desires uh, with all of us to have his table filled for us all to be there. The great joy that he has when we gather together in his name and how much joy he, he has when another is added and comes to sit at the table. And we know that his great desire is, the Lord's great desire is for his table to be filled with all of his children. And that's our mission. And that's what we do. So we're going to light the candle today uh, for joy. And then I'm going to lead you in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the joy that we have in our gathering. Uh, we may come with heavy hearts. We may come with uh, hard times. We may come with illnesses. We may come with hurt. We may come rejoicing. Uh, no matter what happens, there is a joy beyond our circumstances that we recognize today because of Christ. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless this gathering today. Let us be filled with the joy of what you've done, of what you say about us about how you love us, and about who you say that we are to you. Lord, we're grateful for the body of Christ. We're grateful that we all get to be here together, and we ask that you would uh, accept our offering of praise in, in the heart that it's intended. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the joy that we have in our life because of you. And Lord, uh, as we talk today, we know that uh, our life is not just filled with joy all the time. It's not happiness constantly, but instead we do have an enduring joy. Lord, let us dive deep into that today. Realize what you've done for us, what it means for us, and who we are. Lord, I ask that you would give me uh, a gift for preaching today, that you would take words from a broken man, and you would translate them with your Holy Spirit into the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to gather here together. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the great kingdom of God 
Uh, we thank you for the kingdom that exists in this town. Lord, right now we ask if you would bless Real Life Fellowship as they gather this morning as well, that the gospel will be preached there, that lives will be changed, that your Holy Spirit will move through them. We ask that you be with Ryan Huff as he preaches this morning. And Lord, we ask that you move powerfully through all those who claim you here in this town. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray all of this. Amen. So today is our last day of Advent. Uh, we've been going through the last few weeks. And if you're not familiar with the idea of Advent or you're new to us, you know, there's this ideas that what Jesus brought with him is this hope and this peace and this love. And today is about joy. And, and the way that we've been trying to focus on it this year in particular is to go, you know, the, the world talks about love and hope and peace and joy, but what we really wanted to do is talk about an enduring love, an enduring hope, an enduring peace. In other words, we want to talk about not just what the world offers, because you get to see a glimpse of it in each one of us, and you get to see a glimpse of it in what happens in this world. You'll see places where there's some love and some joy and some peace, but at the same time, we live in this broken world. And so all of those, love and joy and hope and peace, they take a beating in a broken world. They're under attack in a lot of ways. There is sorrow and there is loss and there is hurt that happens in our world. But what we want to talk about is not a hope or a joy or a love that's built on the things of this world. We're talking about something that's enduring, something that's transcendent, something that's spiritual that goes beyond what this world can do to us and beyond what this world makes for us. There's more. There's something that will outlast this world. All of this will go away. But what Jesus brought in love and in joy and in peace and in hope, it won't go away. It'll stay. And the reason is because he didn't just bring an action that does it. He is those things. He's love and he's joy and he's peace and he's hope. He's all those things. And when he entered the world, all of that changed. It's not just things you're going to experience every now and again that are going to go away. There's something that will last. And that's what we've been talking about. And in particular, like I said, we're going to be talking about joy today. And I know that in a big room like this, I mean, you could see me and my wife, and we're getting up here, and we're grinning big. Our, our babies are home, and we love that. And we know that that's not for everybody. Everybody is not filled with joy. It doesn't matter what the songs are. This time of year can be really hard. And we want to recognize that. It can be a very difficult time. I know that we sing this, this is the season uh, for great joy. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and there's comfort and there's joy. And there's not always being filled with joy. It's hard. Just this last 10 days, Melissa and I have friends that we used to be in a small group with a long time ago, and the husband and father of two teenage boys just passed away unexpectedly. And we have another group of people that we've known this family in, their son, who's in his early 20s, and he passed away. And just days before Christmas. And so they'll be facing Christmas without the people that they want around their table. And so sometimes it is really hard with what this world throws at us to be able to say, I'm filled with joy. And tis the season. Sometimes it's hard. What I want us to talk about today is how that works together and that relationship that we have with joy. Number one, I think we get really confused about what it looks like. We, we oftentimes, and especially in our world, we confuse happiness and joy, and they are not the same thing in any way, right? Happiness is a feeling. It comes and it goes. It's temporary and it's fleeting. And because it comes easy and it can be temporary and fleeting, it's kind of cheap. 
And so in a lot of ways we go, well, that's easy. There's an easy fix. If you're not happy, there's an easy fix. And a lot of times what happens in our world is we will say, hey, if you're not happy, this is an easy fix. Just do what makes you happy. Do whatever makes you happy, and that'll take care of it. Follow your dreams. And if you just follow your dreams and do whatever makes you happy, then you'll find it. You'll find this, this pearl that we all seem to want, this happiness, this joy. But what happens with that is we end up finding out that the people in our world who seem to have all their dreams come true tend to be some of the most miserable people around. And they find out that that doesn't bring me just this everlasting joy. It brings me happiness in little spurts. But I, I, I drew this line at to where I wanted to go, and then when I arrived there, I found that it's not everything that I wanted, and so I have to move the line and go, now this will make me happy, and now this will make me happy, and maybe I'll need to do this. Or what happens is we do the, the opposite, and sometimes what we do is go, these things will make me happy, and then I get there, and it's not, and we fall into despair. We can start looking at the world and going, there's nothing in this world that can provide me with real happiness. And so then we get to this spot to go, well, if nothing can, then there's no point to any of this. You just kind of live your life, and then you die, and it's meaningless. That's a problem with us going after happiness. Timothy Keller says this, we have a joy vacuum and a happiness addiction. Right? The idea, we're missing joy all over our world, while at the same time we have this addiction to happiness that we're trying to feed ourselves hoping that what will happen is we'll be able to find joy with it. And they're not the same thing. It's a very difficult thing. And I'll tell you, for those of us that are parents and you have kids growing up, it is so vital that we raise our kids to understand the difference between happiness and joy. Because if we send them out into the world chasing happiness and not understanding what joy is, we are setting them up for failure. And I know it's a common thing for us to even be able to say, is to go, I just want my kids to be happy. No, you don't. They'll never find that. That will be a losing proposition. What you want is enduring joy for your children. That's what you want. And so young people that are here with us today, we want to show you what that is. We want you to grow up with that. We want you to know the difference in happiness and joy. And that you'll have a joy in your life that can't be taken away. That's some of what we're going to be talking about today. And that's the difference with this, is, is happiness, while it can be cheap and there's easy fixes and you get, get it and it's fleeting and then it leaves, joy's a different thing. Joy is an entirely different thing. Happiness is about what I can get and what I can find. Joy is a gift from God in the person of Jesus Christ and manifested through the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a different thing. That's what we get with that. And it doesn't come cheap and it's not easy. Real enduring joy comes at a high price. There's a lot that it costs for us to have that. So we don't understand so much and so often we don't understand our relationship with joy in any way. While we struggle with the idea that, that, that happiness can actually be an enemy of joy, and we have a hard time understanding that the happiness can sometimes actually be the thing that keeps you from getting joy. I'm chasing happiness and I'm missing joy. At the same time, we struggle with the idea that sorrow and grief and joy aren't enemies, and they're not opposite. You get that? So joy and happiness can be enemies of one another. Sorrow and grief and joy aren't. And that goes so much against what the world says. It's so different, but that's who our Jesus was. He turned everything upside down. Jesus talked about it all the time, and that's our text for today. In John 16, we're going to be there. Jesus talking about sorrow and joy being together. 
This is John 16, 20 through 22. This is at the Last Supper. This is before Jesus is going to the cross. And this is him talking about how we'll get real joy. This is what he says. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me. But the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she's brought a new baby into the world. So you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice. And no one can rob you of that joy. That's such a great phrase where Jesus talks about going, here's the deal. You're going to have grief, but your grief is going to turn to joy. And I love the fact that he brings it in to talk about a mom giving birth while we're talking about the incarnation. And I want to say, too, Jesus is the only single man who's never given birth that can tell somebody, a woman in particular, what it will be like when you have a baby, right? None of the rest of us get to go, ah, it hurts now, but you'll be fine in a little bit. Only God gets to do that, okay, just so you know. Jesus is the only one who gets to say that. But that idea of him saying, you're about to have grief. You're about to carry this heavy burden. And it's going to be hard. But I'm going to tell you something. What's going to happen is your grief and your sorrow is actually going to turn into something different. It's going to be joy. And that's amazing when you start thinking about that. Because what he's saying is, you're going to have your rabbi taken. You're going to have your Savior killed. You're going to have your best friend, your teacher, the one who's been with you and walking with you for years, and he's going to be taken, and he's going to be killed, and you're going to have grief, but your grief is going to turn. And it's no wonder they didn't understand what that was going to be, because none of us really do. Grief, and, and for, the, for us in this world, grief and joy are two different things. One doesn't turn into the other. Right? They have two different, it's a different essence. It's a different thing. It would be like me coming and serving you dinner, and I go, here's a big plate of Brussels sprouts that I steamed for you. But don't worry, it's going to turn into a steak. Well, that doesn't happen. They're not made of the same things. A Brussels sprout and a steak are not made of the same materials. And so they don't turn into each other. That's not something that happens. And so to have us in this world go, so what you're going to do is you're going to bring this grief that we're going to have, and you're telling me that its whole essence, what it's made of, is completely going to change. And not only that, but this is not normal grief. This is grief that's in death. And for our world at that time, grief from death was permanent. It doesn't go away. It doesn't change. The idea that you would take our Jesus and he would die... That is a grief that I'm sure they felt like would be with them forever. It won't change. But what Jesus is talking about is you're going to have both. I want you to know you're going to have both. And we need both. You're going to need the sorrow to understand the joy. It's really important that you have that. The duality of Jesus, that's one of the things about him is that he could bring sorrow and he could be, bring joy and he could put them right together. It's not just that Jesus is man in the flesh and that he's also spirit of God at the same time. Jesus was the one who goes, I'm going to take sorrow and I'm going to take grief and they're going to meet where I am and something's going to happen. That's the neat thing about Jesus. And for him, it's the conjunction that makes the difference, right? Jesus shows they aren't opposite. You have to have both. You're going to have to have sorrow and grief, 
and you're going to have to have joy. And they're going to come together. They're not even at odds with one another. They work together through Christ. That's why we're different than the rest of the world. Those of us that belong in Christ is they're not opposite ends of the spectrum to go sorrow and grief and joy. They're opposites. You can't have one while you have the others to go. We're different. We have them like two different rails of a, of a track, and they can run right next to each other. But then Jesus is going to take something with that, and he's going to make it very different. This is one of the things Henry now, and I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a Dutch professor and theologian. This is what he said. We need to remind each other that the cup of sorrow is also the cup of joy. That precisely what causes us sadness can become the fertile ground for gladness. That's Jesus saying, you're going to need some sorrow to be able to have the joy. Those two things are going to be together. It's not joy or sorrow. It's joy and sorrow. The conjunction makes the difference. You remember the conjunction, the old song? Some of y'all are singing it in your head right now, right? Schoolhouse Rock, Conjunction, Junction. Yeah, you got it, right? So it's not or, it's and. You're going to have both of those. And when Jesus did that and he made those come together, something important happened that changed us all. And the main thing is when we understand relationships, if you are going to have a deep, loving relationship, the deeper and the more loving and the more invested you are, the more you're going to experience sorrow and the more you're going to experience joy. That's part of the deal. To love deeply means to have deep joy, but it also means to have deep sorrow. You know that. If you're a parent, you've had children, you know that nothing can bring you more joy than your children. And you know that also... Sometimes nothing can bring you more sorrow than your children because of the deep love that you have. In marriage, you open yourself up to great joy and also to great sorrow. There's a risk in that sort of deep relationship. You open yourself up to a person who could hurt you more than anyone else in the world and someone who can give you more joy than you've ever had. Even, if, I'm not even talking about the idea that maybe your spouse could betray you or maybe they could be unfaithful in some way. Even if you live this life of great joy together and great love together, at some point we do have that till death do us part. And at some point we will have sorrow when we say goodbye. That's our promise to one another is that we will love each other till death parts us. And then there will be sorrow but that sorrow is so great because of how great the joy is and the love that we have. Those things go together. Relationships are risky. <laughs> to love someone deeply is going to cost you, and Jesus showed that more than anything. Let me show you this picture that I've been looking at recently. We got this picture. I want you to see this. I don't know how many of y'all have seen this, but this is Mary with her, her baby Jesus, right? There's the incarnation on the left. There's the crucifixion on the right. That deep love, right? The joy at the incarnation and the sorrow at the crucifixion. And here's the deal. That sorrow on the right does not happen without that joy on the left when he was born. And that joy at his arrival doesn't happen without that sorrow at his destiny to go and die for our sins. Joy and sorrow meeting at that one place in Jesus you have both of those when you have a deep, great love. Jesus held them both in his hands, and we do the same. 
Even as followers of Jesus right now in this broken world, one of the things that happens is, is we hold both of these at the same time. We, we have joy and we have sorrow. And we hold them both together at the same time. It's something that you're going to have quite a bit in this world. And we understand that the more you love, the weightier these can get. They get heavier and they can get heavier. And at different times in your life, one of them can really feel the weight more than the other one. Some of you are in here today and your sorrow has really swollen and it's gotten big. And you almost feel like you've got to put down joy so that you can have both hands because it takes all the strength that you have to carry your sorrow. It takes everything you have just to be able to support the sorrow that you have and to bear the weight of it. And sometimes what can happen is we actually even think that, so that joy can be gone. I heard uh, just recently, got somebody that, a uh, friend of a friend, and the father died earlier this year, and the little girl's six. And one of the things that she said to her mom is, Mom, I need for you to pray for me because I feel like my joy is shrinking. Oh, my goodness, what powerful words from a six-year-old child to recognize that. Her sorrow is so big right now that what it seems like is it's overwhelming any sort of joy. It's too powerful. It's stronger than the joy is, and I feel like my joy is shrinking. So, Mama, I need for you to pray for me. Powerful words from a young person. That's part of what it is for us to be followers of Jesus right now is we carry both sorrow and joy together, and we don't ever have to put down joy. Paul talks about it this way in 2 Corinthians 6. This is, this is Paul talking about, we have this ministry, and he said, look, I don't want to fool you on this. Let me tell you how this works with our ministry. This is verse 4. We don't want to be a stumbling block. He says, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, and in distresses, in beatings and imprisonments and riots, in hard work and sleepless nights and hunger, all of this sorrow, right? And then in purity and in understanding and in patience and in kindness and in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, while you carry both of those, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. What an amazing scripture for Paul to call to us and go, here's the deal, you're going to carry heavy weight in both hands. You will go through difficult and hard and sorrowful times because you have a life that's filled with love in so many ways and relationship, but we're in a broken world. But you will have joy that will not go away, always rejoicing, even in sorrow. That's what Jesus brought for us. Amen. Sorrowful, but always rejoicing. You will have sorrow, but it will not overcome your joy if you understand what Jesus did. And that's the thing. Jesus held both in his hands. And he didn't just hold sorrow and joy 
They met where he did. As a matter of fact, he needed them, and he was motivated by both of them, by sorrow and by joy. He was moved by sorrow and by joy. He was motivated by both. They meet together, sorrow and joy, meet together at the mission and the action of what Jesus did. They come right together. There's a song by Avalon. I don't know if any of y'all have heard it before, but it's called Where Joy and Sorrow Meet. And it's about Jesus at the cross. This is what it says. I'm not going to sing it because that brings no one joy. It will all be sorrow. So I'm just going to read it to you. Thank you, Rod. Where joy and sorrow meets, the name of the song. There's a place of quiet stillness where the light and the shadows reach, where the hurting and the hopeless seek everlasting peace. Words of men and songs of angels whisper comfort bittersweet, mending grief and life eternal, where joy and sorrow meet. There's this place where hope remains in crowns of thorns and in crimson stains and tears that fall on Jesus' feet where joy and sorrow meet. There's a place the lost surrender and the weary will retreat full of grace and mercy, tender in times of unbelief. For the wounded there's healing, the strength is given to the weak, and broken hearts find love, redeeming where joy and sorrow meet. There's a place of thirst and hunger where the roots of faith grow deep, and there is rain and rolling thunder when the road is rough and steep. And there's hope and desperation, and there's victory and defeat at the cross of restoration where joy and sorrow meet. That's what happened with Jesus. He who is ultimate joy experienced ultimate sorrow so that those of us who walk in ultimate sorrow and darkness can experience ultimate joy. That's what he did. And it's not just where joy and sorrow meet with Jesus, but the fact is he made the place where they meet where one is going to come out on top. One is going to overcome the other one. Joy is going to overcome sorrow. Jesus is actually going to take one and turn it into the other. All the sorrow that you feel about me going to the cross is going to turn to joy when you realize what I've done. At the resurrection, this will all change. The deepest loss you can have will turn into the greatest joy you've ever experienced. Right where I do what I'm supposed to do. Both joy and sorrow. They, they, they went together at that place where they meet with Jesus throughout his life. They were at the incarnation. Joy and sorrow meet at the incarnation. It was the sorrow and the grief that Jesus felt that had him leave the throne of glory to come and save us. Because we were in darkness without hope called us like sheep without a shepherd. But that sorrow would turn to the joy of the world when God came in the flesh to dwell with us. And with him, he brought us peace for all mankind. Both joy and sorrow met throughout his ministry with Jesus. If you think about it, you come to when Lazarus died and Jesus came and there's that, that little verse we all know, Jesus wept. The sorrow that he had, Why? It wasn't for Lazarus' death. He knew he was going to be alive in a minute. It wasn't for Lazarus' soul. He wept, and the sorrow he had was because of the hold that death still seemed to have on us. That it wrecked his sisters and everyone around them in every way. That it might be the end of things, which is why he said, I am the life and the resurrection. That grief would turn to joy when Lazarus' death was overcome just by him speaking words. Get up and come out. All grief turned to joy. Joy and sorrow meet at the cross with Jesus. When Jesus was taken, the rabbi arrested, their Messiah killed in front of them, and what seems like eternal sorrow 
that can never be overcome in any way turned into eternal joy at the resurrection. It changed everything. Jesus was destined to be the place where joy and sorrow meet, and at the cross, one of them was given permanent eternal status, and one of them wasn't. Sorrow will no longer last forever. Joy will now be eternal. It will go beyond your life. It will go beyond the death of this world and everything that happens. Joy will endure. When joy and sorrow meet at the cross, only one of them became eternal, and it is joy. When joy finally won out, in the words coming to fulfillment when he said earlier in John 16, but I will see you again. Those are the words we still hold on to. That Jesus says to us, if you're in grief and you're in sorrow right now, you need to know, I will see you again. You don't need to let sorrow last forever. It won't. Eventually what will happen is it will turn to joy. That's the hope that we have. And then the neat part of it is it's the presence of Jesus that actually does that. It's the presence. It's when he said, you are going to be in grief and you're going to be in sorrow, but I will see you again. My presence will come back. And when it does, everything changes. Now joy will have an eternal place for you. You'll be able to have it even in the midst of sorrow in this world. But sorrow will end and one day all tears will be wiped away. And the only thing that will remain is the joy that comes in the presence of Christ for eternity for us. In his presence. You ever had that? I don't know if you have people like that where you go, just being in their presence just makes me happy. Just hanging out with them. Just being around them. Right? I mean, that's one of the things that we've enjoyed so much is you get to have your kids or you get family or you go spend. You know, one of the neatest things for us is we're going to go to Tyler and spend some time with my parents. And they have this back porch sunroom. And that's the place we gather and just enjoy each other's presence. That's where conversations about life and love and God and future and past and stories and just being there brings great joy for us. How much more so to be in the presence of the God who held us in our death and resurrected us to a new life. Amen. That's what we get to have. Psalm 1611 says, You made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. See, our joy is not a feeling, it's a person. That's what we have. It's the person who walked with sorrow and joy in both hands until one finally had its eternal power taken away and the other was made immortal. Sorrow had its power taken away and joy was made immortal. And it's a person that did not stay dead that was able to do that for us. He's the only way. The cross didn't just remove sin. It provides access to joy. We now have access to eternal joy. That's what we celebrate. That's what came in the flesh. And that's what we hold on to still today. When the Lord says, even in this time where you will have sorrow and you will have joy, there will come a time where I will see you again. Sorrow will fade away. And then all you'll have is joy. That's the hope that we have. And that's what we hang on to. We're going to take a moment. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to spend a little time singing. And we're going to have uh, our candle lighting time too. So what we do is we ask that as you stay there, we will come and someone will light a candle and we'll just pass it around to each other. And more than anything, I hope that you will remember that this is an unextinguishable joy that you will have. 
And if you are hurting today, if you are struggling, if you're missing somebody that's supposed to be here in one way or another, I hope more than anything you lean into the fact that we have an enduring joy through Christ. We will see them again. It stays even in your hurt until the day when the hurt's gone away. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for showing us what it means to hold sorrow and joy together. And Lord, we know that is so much of what you did when you came here in the flesh. We think about that, that on Christmas Eve, the night before, there was such darkness and there was such sorrow because we were a people that were without a shepherd we wandered around in darkness wondering how we would eventually have a great light and how we would have hope and how we would be saved. And then in the morning, you came, and you came in the, the form of a, an infant, and you filled the world with joy. Lord, we thank you so much that again on Good Friday, when it seemed like sorrow would overcome the entire world, that Sunday was coming and that you were resurrected from the dead. And because of that, we still have this great joy that will endure forever. And Lord, we hold on to that, and we hold on to the advent and the expectation that you will come again when sorrow will completely be gone and all we'll be left with is your joy. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.